your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Just win. You're a win as a Raider. Pillaging just for fun. He'll knock you round and upside down and laugh when he's conquered and won. What's up, Raider Nation? Welcome into Wednesday's edition of the Locked On Raiders podcast, April 21st, 2021. Your boy Q here with you. Got a big action-packed show for you today. Got a lot of ground to cover. A lot happened on Tuesday, and we're just going to have to jump right into it. Uh, coming up in segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, your calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast voicemail line, the number 707-654-4693. And please believe there is a lot of feedback. There's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of passion coming up in segment number three that you will hear. Segment number two, I had an opportunity to be on ESPN Las Vegas with Cofield and Company on Tuesday, and we talked about 30 minutes. It was really good. Every time I jump on with Cofield and company, it's usually about 30 minutes now. We we record it early in the in the day and then run it back while I'm actually on my radio show on Fox Sports Central Texas. But uh, I'm just going to bring to you the Raiders talk. Everything that we talked about the Raiders, it was, I thought, a really good conversation. Uh, had a lot to do with the draft. Had a lot to do with the defense. Had a lot to do with just the team in general. Uh, we're going to talk. Well, you'll hear that conversation in segment number two. Here in segment number one, news in the notes of the day. And today's news and notes is going to be uh, obviously NFL related, but it's also going to be activities in the country related. As uh, on Tuesday, the outcome of the Derek Chauvin case, the, the former officer in Minnesota that was accused of murder for uh, kneeling for over nine minutes on George Floyd's neck, ultimately uh, killing him. Well, the the prosecution arrested. They gave their final statement on Monday. The defense rested. They gave their final statement on Monday. And then Tuesday, right before I went on the radio, all of a sudden word came trickling out that, yeah, the jury has come to a a, a verdict and it's going to be read at a certain time. So I was on the radio and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now and we'll get into it more, but I, I didn't have any idea what to expect. I, I didn't expect anything very good. I actually expected the worst to be honest with you, but it was hard to concentrate until the verdict came out. But ultimately the jury came back with a verdict and here it was. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the fourth judicial district. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, district court, fourth judicial district, state of Minnesota plaintiff, versus Derek Michael Chauvin, defendant. Verdict, count one. Court file number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to count one, unintentional second degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.44 p.m. Signed juror four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury in the above entitled matter as to count two, third degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Signed by jury four person, juror number 19. Same caption, verdict count three. We, the jury in the above entitled matter as to count three, second degree manslaughter, culpable negligence, creating an unreasonable risk, Find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021 at 1.45 p.m. Jury four person, 019. 
So there it was right there, guilty on all three charges. And again, I said that I didn't know what to expect. I know my mom had texted me and told me that the verdict was in, and I thought, oh, man, buckle up. Who knows how this is going to shake out? And it's really disappointing that I didn't have any faith that it was going to come out the way it did, guilty on all three charges, but it ultimately did. And look, I know we're here to talk Raiders, and we will, and I know I probably lost like half the audience right now. Someone's rolling their eyes, but I say it all the time, and I'll continue to say it. It's sometimes it's bigger than sports. Sometimes it's bigger than the Raiders. Sometimes Sometimes it's just about life. And believe it or not, it's actually it has to do with the Raiders as well because uh, a lot of teams started putting out statements after that verdict was read. The NFL, they put out a statement after the verdict was read. Matter of fact, the NFL's statement was today's outcome in the Derek Shaven trial in Minneapolis does not undo the loss of life. Mr. George Floyd should be with us here today. Our hearts remain with the Floyd family, and we understand the pain, anger, and frustration does not go away even when justice is delivered. Importantly, even as we identify reasons for hope, we must continue to help move our society towards a more equal and just tomorrow. We are proud to partner with the NFL players and clubs and remain committed to the important work needed to make positive change in our society. That was a statement by the NFL. And then, what became controversial, like major controversy on Tuesday, uh, all of a sudden the Raiders Twitter account posted, I can breathe for 2021. And boy, oh boy, it was that like, uh, that was like putting gasoline onto a fire, man. All of a sudden that thing took off. It looked like uh, the 4th of July, you know, like the 4th of July celebration gone wrong. It was really, really bad. Everyone's yelling and screaming. And I say yelling and screaming, it was by way of Twitter, but everyone was just coming down on, on the Raiders. They made TMZ. I mean, it was, it was all bad because of that statement. And I'll tell you right now, Raider Nation, when I read it, I didn't flip out. I didn't get upset. I didn't say, what in the world are they doing? I kind of understood exactly. Actually, I didn't kind of understand. I knew exactly where they were coming from because I'll, I'll be honest. Like I said, I was in the studio, in the radio station when, you know, the verdict was supposed to be announced. And the whole time I'm on the air, like I got on the air at three o'clock central time and the verdict was supposed to be read between three thirty and four. That whole time that it was supposed to be read and it hadn't been, I couldn't concentrate on anything I was doing. I was trying to talk and I was getting tongue-tied and uh, nothing I was saying made any kind of sense because I was just so nervous about what the results was going to be. I just knew that it was going to come back like not guilty, acquitted, hung jury, something like that because we've seen that happen so many times. I just knew, and I hate that I have to think that way, but that's how I'm trained to think. And I've, it's, you know, when you've been set up or you've been... Failure has happened so many times that you just expect the worst. You know, when you feel like you've been let down so many times, you expect the worst. That happens in relationships. That happens in life. I just expected the worst because I feel like I've been let down so many times. Well, once that came back that he was guilty on all three charges, I'm not going to lie. Like that statement said, I can breathe. I exhaled. I said, whew, all right. You know, good, good stuff. Good stuff. And it was just my natural reaction. So when I read that tweet from the Raiders, I can breathe, that's how I took it. And also, George Floyd's brother actually said that. He said, now that justice has been served, you know, we are able to breathe again. And so that was that was also part of it. But that statement, I can breathe for 2021 from the Raiders, that actually came from Mark Davis. And I didn't know that originally. Ed Graney from the Las Vegas Review Journal, he put out a tweet saying, I just spoke with Raiders owner Mark Davis. He said, that's my tweet. That was me. I don't want anyone in the organization taking heat. I take full responsibility for that. And so that was one part of it. Then Tashawn Reed from The Athletic actually took it a step further and talked to him. And I know Ed Graney had a story as well, but Tashawn Reed talked to him and tweeted out a bunch of quotes from Mark Davis. And I think this helps further explain it. He said, Raider owner Mark Davis said, I can breathe. Wording came from George Floyd's brother, who said, today we were able to breathe again. Davis added, if I offended the family, then I'm deeply, deeply disappointed. 
Uh, he also said the post wouldn't be deleted. Davis said he was not aware that NYPD supporters wore I Can Breathe shirts following the 2014 killing of Eric Gardner. After I brought that up, and this is Tashawn Reed talking, he said, after I brought that up to him, he said, I learned something. I have to do a little bit more research into that just so I can speak coherently on that aspect. But Mark Davis went on to say, let me say this right off the bat. I was not aware of that. Absolutely not. I had no idea of that. That's a, switch. That's a situation that I was not aware of. I could see where there could be some negativity towards what I said based on that. Davis also said, I wasn't watching the talking heads. I was listening to the family and I was trying to take my lead from them. But if that's the I can breathe t-shirts are what the cops are wearing, then really it is a bad statement. So that's Mark Davis taking the heat for that social media post. And look, I'm not inside the building. I can't tell you that for a hundred percent fact that he did that, but it, it would, it wouldn't be up there if, if he didn't say he wanted it up there. You know what I mean? Like if that had been just some 20 year old social media kid that put it up there and thought that that was a good statement and Mark Davis didn't approve of it, he would have said, Hey, take that down immediately. He didn't. And that's the reason why now Tashawn got into a good conversation with him uh, and he owned it. But again, Raider Nation, I'm going to tell you, and I know a lot of people were hitting me like, hey, Q, are you going to talk about it? I was like, yeah, I'll talk about it. Not a big deal. I, I understood completely where he was coming from. Again, the wording probably could have been better, no doubt about it, but I totally understood because, again, it was a sigh of relief to me when I realized that, hey, this dude was being charged and he was guilty on all three charges and sentencing was going to come up later on. Now, I know, like I said, uh, this is something that people probably don't want to talk about or even listen to, but... Like I said, sometimes it's bigger than the Raiders. It's bigger than life. And this actually happens to coincide with the Raiders as well. It all kind of intertwines with each other. So uh, there you go. That's my two cents on it. Wording, not the best. Understand the meaning, though. And again, the meaning was a sigh of relief because us as a society, especially as African-American and uh, minorities in this country, we have been set up for failure so many times that one time when it comes out the way that we feel like it should come out, it is a sigh of relief. So that's, that's my stance on it. I hope it's understood. And uh, you know, if not, well, you know, it's just, it is what it is, I guess, but that's just kind of where I'm coming from with that. Uh, Just got one or two more quick notes that I want to get to Uh, free agent, Defensive end Arden Key, he was visiting with the San Francisco 49ers on uh, on Tuesday, and so maybe that's going to be a landing spot for him. Uh, he cleared waivers. Mo Hurst cleared waivers, so they're free to sign with any team that they want to or any team that wants to sign him can sign them. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to do it now or they're going to sign him before the draft or if, if he signs after the draft. Who knows? Maybe they were just doing some fact-finding, but I haven't heard about any visits that Mo Hurst has, and that was the first one I heard for Arden Key. Uh, also, the Raiders, they actually had a visitor in on uh, on Tuesday. They're hosting former Titans and Falcons cornerback uh, Belidi Red Wilson, and I'm sure I said that name wrong. He played with the Falcons last year. Uh, he led the team with interception with three. Uh, he's been in the league for eight years. He spent three years with the Titans and five with Atlanta. And the thing about him that probably stands out the most is that he could play in the slot. And since the Raiders let LaMarcus Joyner go this offseason, uh, they feel like that they're going to need some more people for the slot. We've talked about Damon Arnett. Could he possibly slide in there? Amik Robertson, could he step up and play that role who knows but it sounds like if the Raiders were to sign Red Wilson and I've got to learn how to say his name correctly it's W-R-E-H hyphen Wilson <laughs> so uh, maybe they sign him and then Robertson could learn from him after a year who knows but it sounds like you probably bring him in on a, a cheaper contract and he knows how to play the slot so that could be a good thing and my final little nugget here for uh, segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast, and then we'll get into segment number two where I talk with Steve Cofield, all things Raiders, is uh, I saw a tweet from Jeff Kerr. He's an NFL writer for CBS. He tweeted out John Gruden's overall record as a head coach. And I always say that, you know, overall records for coaches and quarterbacks is always the silliest thing ever because it takes way more than one guy on the sidelines or one guy behind center to win football games. But just 
just throwing it out there since Jeff put it out there. John Gruden's coached the Raiders seven years total in his career. He's 57 and 55 overall. He coached the Tampa Bay Buccaneers seven seasons overall in his career. He's 57 and 55. Overall, 114 and 110, 509 winning percentage for one John Gruden right there. So there it is. I mean, just about a 500 coach. That is exactly what John Gruden is with 14 years under his belt in the coaching business in the NFL. So that's all I got for you for segment number one of today's Locked On Raiders podcast news and notes of the day. Do not forget that the Locked On Podcast Network is covering the draft from all angles. Uh, We got the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 going on, presented by Odyssey. Also, Locked On NFL Draft. You can follow them and the Draft Dudes podcast for all the latest draft news. And, of course, stay tuned for more information about our live NFL draft coverage. That's something that is going to be exciting as we're ramping up and getting closer and closer to the first round of the NFL draft, April 29th. Uh, I do want to tell you about a couple of great sponsors here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast before we do get into segment number two. And the first one is 1010. 1010 is a collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced, limited edition designs at fair price points. 1010 is an exclusive collection of 10 creative styles of diamond rings designed by 10 of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, 10 female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available right now through Mother's Day only at BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10 by 10. This collection features high quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight and fairly priced so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for a long time, so make sure you check them out right now by searching the words 10 by 10 only at BlueNile.com. I also want to tell you about an oldie but a goodie. And what I mean by that, you got it, Built Bar. Great taste of protein bar. Been talking about them for what feels like years now. Got a ton of flavors. Got a ton of new flavors to choose from. But they also got the OG flavors that I really like. Like the carrot cake, apple almond crisp, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, banana bread, peanut butter. So many different flavors to choose from. They continue to improve, improve, improve the uh, the different flavors. You can check them out at BuiltBar.com. They're 100% covered in chocolate. They're soft. They're easy to chew. I like to put mine in the fridge. But either way you look at it, you could take it right out the, uh, out the pantry if you want. Built Bar is great for the health conscious man or woman. You can lose or maintain weight while you're enjoying a delicious treat. The bars, they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, and they're great for the keto diet. Uh, Check them out today, BuiltBar.com. If you order a box or two or whatever you decide to do, use the promo code LOCK15. You're going to save 15% off your order just like that. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order at BuiltBar.com. Segment number two, my conversation with Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas is coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Raider Nation, here we are. Segment number two of today's Locked On Raider podcast. Going to jump right into it, man. My conversation from Tuesday with Cofield & Company, Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company on ESPN Las Vegas, talking all things Raiders. Tuesday on Cofield & Company, let's get to it. We always talk to Q Myers. It's down in Waco. He does the Lockdown Raiders podcast, part of the uh, Raider Nation Radio 920 family. All right, Q, how you doing health-wise? Uh, we talk about the vaccine shots here all the time, and uh, it's pretty interesting. We've had a kind of a mixed bag of results as the Cofield & Company crew has chosen to get vaccinated. Uh, how you doing so far? 
doing really well, man. I'm, I'm excited. I had my first shot, my first vaccination shot like last week, and I can't wait to get the second one and feel like I'm good to go, you know? And so it's being uh, made available for everybody. So why not go ahead and roll out there and go get it? So I, I made sure I did that. And everyone in my house did that. And everyone at the radio station is doing that. And I just, I think it makes the most sense. So uh, yeah, man, especially with Texas being full, full open. I mean, there is nothing that's holding Texas back at all. So I better be vaccinated for sure. What is it like? You guys opened up to 100% way before anyone else. We're up, uh, we're opening to 100% June 1st. So what's it like in Texas? What's it like in Waco? I mean, it's just, you know, you walk into a bar and it's just like old times again. It looks like nothing ever happened. Nothing, no pandemic ever hit. You know, there was no such thing as COVID-19. And I'll tell you when, uh, you know, when Governor Abbott said that, I was pretty skeptical about it. You know, he just kind of said that, oh yeah, Wednesday, it's going to open up to 100%. So I said, okay, so COVID just disappears on Wednesday like it's no longer in existence. But uh, I get it, man. Everyone wants to get back to some normalcy. Everyone wants to get the economy going again, open up these restaurants, bars, different locations. And uh, that's part of the part of life. And so that's what they're doing. And, and so far, I think it's been pretty good. I haven't seen an uptick in, in COVID cases. And I think everyone's doing really well. And as long as everyone goes and gets their fac- vaccine like I did, I feel like I feel like we have a pretty good chance. So, uh, you know, everything's going full steam ahead right now. All right. Well, let's look at. What's going on with the Raiders is they go full steam ahead and they uh, start to move on the roster. They signed all these defensive linemen. And then last week, kind of surprising, at least on one front, they cut two defensive linemen. So let's start with Arden Key. I don't think it's shocking that uh, the Raiders said uh, we've had enough of Arden Key. But, you know, you go back to the history of Arden Key and it was kind of a shaky pick to begin with. And it just never worked out. Why didn't it work out with Arden Key? He was just a guy that could never finish. You know, I think that that's ultimately what you would call him and describe him. The guy that couldn't finish. He was the athletic dude. He would get to the backfield. He would get his hands on the quarterback, but he would never get his, the quarterback to the ground. He would never get the guy to the ground, uh, tackle for loss. There's multiple games that stand out to me a couple years ago against the Texans. He had an opportunity to get Watson on the ground and missed it, and Deshaun throws a touchdown pass. Had multiple chances to get Patrick Mahomes last year to the ground. Didn't get it done. He just is a very athletic guy that was never able to maximize his ability, you know, and I had a guy actually hit me up and say, hey, with the signing of Unique Ngakwe, maybe Arden Key could be his primary backup because they kind of have the similar body types. Maybe he can learn from uh, Ngakwe and, and kind of take that next step forward, but I kind of feel like it's a little too late. You know, he's going into the final year of his contract. Uh, he's a guy that they're going to have to make a decision on, and, and it's funny because he got cut on Thursday, him and Mohurst, and on Monday I had done a show on the podcast and said, I think that those guys are gone I think that they'll be gone by the end of training camp. Well, they were gone a lot earlier than that. They didn't even make it to training camp. So not really surprised on either one of the fronts. I know a lot of Raider fans are more upset about Mo Hurst being gone. But uh, ultimately, man, with Arden Key, he just wasn't the guy that was able to produce. Well, let's talk about Mo Hurst. What do you think happened here? Because he was one of the more productive linemen uh, for the Raiders. Now, that said, the Raiders line in general was not very good. But why is Mo Hurst gone? Well, he, he was more productive but he wasn't out there enough. You know, he wasn't used enough in, in, in that defensive scheme. And I don't know, I can't say it's all on Mo Hurst, and I can't say it's all on the Raiders either. I kind of feel like it was a, a combination of the two. Maybe he wasn't conditioned. This is one of the things I've been talking to Raider Nation about. I'm like, maybe he wasn't, his conditioning wasn't good enough to be out there for more reps because that's what I keep hearing. Well, he didn't get enough reps. If he had got more reps, he would have been more productive. Well, maybe he wasn't capable of being out there for that much. Maybe his body wasn't, 
made to be out there for as many reps as they needed him to be out there. His, his first season in the league, he had four sacks, four and a half sacks for the Raiders. I thought, okay, that's pretty good. But he never improved on that. He kind of regressed a little bit after a little bit after a little bit. Now, I get it. I mean, he's a he's a you know defensive tackle, so he's not going to have a, a bunch of sacks, and he's really going to have to get after the run. But even last year, there's a lot of times I saw him chasing down tackles. Instead of being the force of the tackle, he was the guy that you saw the back of his jersey, and then he was running down the running back, which was great. The hustle's great. The heart's great, you know, to be able to have that energy to go and get him. But he, I just, to me, he didn't have enough. I, I always felt like he was a fan favorite, but he was never a, a, a coach's favorite because he just didn't have enough production. Q Myers with us, Raiders expert. He joins us every Tuesday on Cofield and Company. So do you feel like the group of defensive linemen, especially inside that they signed, do they have full-time players in that group or are they all rotation players? I think that there's a lot of rotation pieces and I think there's a lot of guys that are going to provide some competition. I really, and I've said this a couple times, and I don't want to fall for a banana in the tailpipe. I mean, we always kind of do that and we say, well, what if? What if this player can figure it out? But I'll tell you, Steve, man, if... If David Irving could figure it out and actually be a guy, I've seen him be a dominant dude. Like, I saw him up close to personal be dominant. And he's so good that he could roll out of bed and get you two or three sacks. If he actually cares and really puts some work into it and decides that he's going to be the dude, he really could be a difference maker along that defensive line. Now, the problem is... If you go through and look at his career, he hasn't done it consistently. He's just one of those guys. It's one of those unicorns or, or like like John Gruden said a couple years ago, uh, white tigers. You know, he's that guy that you, you see at the, at the zoo every once in a while. He doesn't make enough appearances. If David Irving could figure it out, man, I think he could be a big-time difference maker on the defensive line. But it's up to him. He's got the athletic ability. Does he have the want to to get it done is my big question. Uh, the numbers are out on uh, win totals for this next season and the Raiders are seven and a half eight and you know I'd like to go over and say hey the Raiders are going to win you know nine go nine and eight or go ten and seven I'm just still concerned about that defensive backfield there is no standout obvious person for free safety and the cornerback mix they added Rasul Douglas I mean he's a high pick from 2017 you've now got Douglas Arnett Mullen Robertson Nevin Lawson Isaiah Johnson how do you feel about the group of cornerbacks. Well, I, I still think there's room for improvement for sure. I do like the signing of Douglas uh, as a lot of Raider Nation was screaming for Richard Sherman to be signed. Richard Sherman's 33 and hasn't been healthy in a couple years. Well, Douglas played a ton of cover three defense with the, the Panthers last year. Started about 11 games and he's only 25. You know, he'll turn 26 in late August. So I'm excited about that signing because I think he's going to be able to provide competition for Damon Arnett. Something that Arnett's going to need to be able to get better and take that next step the Raiders were high on our net coming out of training camp last year and then well it just kind of all fell apart once the season happened so I think Douglas is going to give him a run for his money for that outside spot and on top of that Arnett if you go back to what he did at Ohio State he was able to play in the slot so maybe push comes to shove Douglas is on the outside and Arnett's on the inside in the slot and is able to to help out in that way as well but I still think that the cornerback position gets addressed uh, some more in the draft because they still need more talent overall they need more talent Nevin Lawson the Raiders love him. For some reason, they really, really love him, but he ends up on the wrong end of plays way too many times. So uh, he'll be there. He's suspended for the first game of the season, uh, kind of like he has the last three years, it feels like. But uh, we'll see what happens. But the cornerback position definitely needs some more talent still. Here, let's talk draft. How important are these top four picks that the Raiders have? They're at 17, 48, 79, 80. So four of the top 80 picks, they've got to get two or three starters 
out of these picks, right? I would think so, man. I really would. And, you know, I, I've talked about it with you before about the the five first-rounders they've had the past two years, and really there's a lot of question marks around the guys. They've got one starter that you know that's a stud in Josh Jacobs, the running back. You know, and that was one pick out of five first-rounders that they had. Mike Mayock has been on record in saying third-round picks are, are should be starters, and to have multiple third-round picks is like stealing. Well, he had three of them last year, and he got one guy that you know could play. One guy ended up never even making the field, got to Miami and another guy who was on IR all, all last year. So uh, we'll see what happens with those third round picks. Got two third round picks this year, number 79 and 80, like you mentioned. You've got to be able to hit, man. These guys, you've got to be able to just collect talent and not always just go for position of need. Just get talented dudes that can play football on the next level. You've got to be able to restock the cupboard with talent. If you lose guys to, to free agency, fine, because you've got another guy coming right up behind them that has just as much, if not more, talent. Really good teams are able to do that. And you look at what the Raiders have done historically over their drafts, even the last two, three years, it's nothing to write home about, man. They really have got to just lock in and get, like you said, two. I would say three starters should be, you know, should be what they expect to get. But I'll settle for two. I really will. Give me two starters, and I'll say that you had a successful first four picks. The first pick, you can bet uh, there's betting odds on the position. Offensive lineman is the favorite. Yep. At plus 175. Linebacker, plus 220. Defensive lineman, 450. Cornerback six to one, safety seven to one. By the way, safety last week was fourteen to one. Mm. Uh, wide receiver fourteen to one. Where are you going with the first pick? Well, Where's, is I, there I, is there value on O lineman at plus one seventy five? Is is really the key question. I mean, you know, I, I went with O lineman. I went with Christian Darisaw. That was my pick that I made for the Raiders at seventeen uh, tackle out of Virginia Tech. Just because I think that the Raiders are going to do that, I think that that's why it's such a favorite for them to do that because everyone's going to look at them and say, "Hey, they're going to make that 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 safe pick at the offensive tackle." But I kicked myself so many times, and I continue to do that because I think that you can go and get a Micah Parsons. I think you can go get a Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa linebackers and have difference makers and still go and address the tackle need because the, the tackle position is so deep in this draft, you probably have nine guys maybe going the first couple rounds that are real quality tackles. So I, I I think that I made a mistake by going Darisaw. I know a lot of people say it's a good pick and one that the Raiders will probably end up making, but I just think you could have got a difference maker at that uh, at that number 17 spot, and I just, I just rushed to judgment and, and just went with what I thought the Raiders would do. You can also bet uh, down at Circa the specific player uh, Darisaw is actually the third choice at 650. Uh, Vera Tucker from SC is plus 575. On this list, do you see anyone that they could, uh, I'm going to say, reach for? Because uh, generally the Raiders have chosen guys where they're like, wait, what? Right. I thought he was a second rounder. I wonder if there's someone a little further down the list that has some value that we may be surprised when the Raiders pluck him in the first round. Um, I think that maybe, uh, maybe a Trayvon Merrick. From uh from TCU, uh the safety from TCU, I, I think that 17 is too high for him, but I could see them making that move, and that would be one of those, oh wow, you grabbed him at 17. Okay, he's probably a 24, 25, 26, 27 part guy, but you right. got him at 17. Okay, well, that's your guy. So no, no worries, whatever. You know, I think that people can make a case. I'll tell you the one that would shock me the most if they went and got was Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. I don't even see him as a first-round guy. He's a guy who really? runs, he runs hot and cold all the time. He, 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 played, he played hot 
in the playoffs, which mattered. You know, the end of the season, that's what everyone was paying attention to and everyone saw. But at the beginning of the season, he wasn't Quentin Williams. He wasn't a guy that went beginning of the season to the end hot and the best defensive lineman on the team. He was hot at the end. So I think he's a second-round guy that will probably be elevated to the first because it's a very thin class when it comes to defensive tackles. But I, I wouldn't – I'd be – I'd really be upset if they picked him at number 17. I think that would be a bad pick. So you think first two picks – 17 and 49, definitely an offensive lineman in there. And then Safety. probably probably another defensive player. Is there an outside shot that they could go offense with both of those picks? I mean, is there any chance they would take a wide receiver? Uh, even, yeah, I'm not at 17, but down at 49. I just, I wonder what they're going to do with the second pick. I think the second pick's going to be a safety. I really do. That's, that's how I feel in my gut, that it's going to be, you know, a Richie Grant, Javon Holland, someone like that, because I don't think they'll be able to get – I don't think they'll get Trayvon Merrick in the second round. I think he'll already be gone. Uh, so I think it's going to be one of those two guys in the second round. But, yeah, I mean, as long as John Gruden's the head coach, I absolutely believe that they can pick an offensive player at any time, you know, like a, a skill player, like a wide receiver. I could totally see them going and getting that guy. I could see them, to be honest with you, I could see them getting a wide receiver in the first round if the right guy fell to him you know or even got close to him I could see Gruden saying you know looking at a, a Jalen Waddle and saying man this dude is a is a difference maker and I can line him up and and have him and and rugs and I can have uh you know Waller and I can have all these different weapons and tools and Derek Carr is gonna do this I could oh man I could see him just lighting up like a Christmas tree man absolutely so I I could see them doing it wouldn't shock me it wouldn't be the smart decision in my book but I guess I could totally see them doing it how about two offensive linemen a linebacker and some sort of defensive back that those are the needs. Yeah. Stick to the needs. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the safety's got to be addressed. You got to go out there and get a free safety, preferably a guy that could be a ball hawk, a guy that could uh, help create turnovers. You got to go get that. You've got to get your right tackle of the future. He's not on the squad right now. You got to go figure out who to get uh, to book in with Colton Miller. Uh, You've got to do that. I I think corner needs to be addressed. Guard still needs to be addressed as far as uh, adding some more depth. I mean, there's a lot of things that the Raiders need to do. And 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 a alpha dog linebacker, I'd love to see. They haven't got one. They have not got an alpha dog linebacker, and I couldn't tell you how many years it's been, but they always go and get a guy, you know, third round, fourth round, fifth round. And, oh, you don't need a big-time linebacker. To, yeah, okay. You actually kind of do, man. It'd be kind of good if you go and get that guy that's a stud. You know, just go go get a stud. Have a stud on every level. What's wrong with that? You know, and a big-time alpha dog like a Parsons or a Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa, totally see. Even maybe a Zayvon Collins. I know a lot of people are high on him. Zayvon Collins out of Tulsa. He could be a stud as well. Just a difference maker. Go get some difference makers, man. Have a, have a team that, that has a chance. Give your, give your team a shot. You can hear the frustration in <laughs> Q's voice. Well, the big week is next week. Raiders with four picks out of the first 80. Q, appreciate it. Have a good week, and we'll talk to you next week. So there it was right there. That was my conversation talking all things Raiders with Steve Cofield from Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Our conversation, I ain't gonna lie, our conversation was about 30 minutes, but that was just the Raider stuff <laughs> from our conversation. So again, man, Steve Cofield gives me an opportunity to hop on ESPN Las Vegas every Tuesday. Definitely appreciate that. Uh, before I let you know about one of the great sponsors here on the Lockdown Raiders podcast, I do want to remind you that the ultimate mock draft 2021 presented by Lockdown and Odyssey is happening right now. Analysts from NFL like Michael Irvin, Jason Lockonfora, Brian Baldinger, a lot of great guys, a lot of great talent evaluators, local experts for every team making trades, picking the next stars for their team. All you got to do is search the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Odyssey is your audio home for all the sports, podcasts, music, and news that matters to you. That's Odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y. Used to be radio.com. Now it is Odyssey. So, 
Uh, yeah, if you want to hear the ultimate mock draft, which I know the podcast network is very, very proud of, definitely go ahead and check that out. Now, I also want to tell you about betonline.ag. And if you like to get your gamble on, it doesn't matter if it's baseball, hockey, basketball, uh, UFC, boxing. I mean, anything that you can, any kind of sport that's out there. BetOnline.ag has you covered. They're your online sportsbook experts. Uh, you open up a free account today by going to the website, BetOnline.ag, and you make a deposit. All you got to do is make a, a deposit into your free account. Whatever you put in, as long as you use the promo code Locked On, you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus. So say you put $200 in, you'll get $100 on top of that, but you got to use the promo code Locked On. Don't forget that, or you won't get the bonus. And if you don't get the bonus, well, that's not all good, right? Yeah, you want it to be all good. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on. You'll get that 50% welcome bonus. Get you off of the sidelines and get you into the action. And again, I know a lot of folks like to dibble and dabble into the gambling world. BetOnline.ag is the place for you. Uh, if you're looking for them on social media, it's at BetOnline underscore AG. They are going to give you the best bonuses in the business. So one more time for the folks in the back row, BetOnline.ag. Segment number three, your calls and texts are coming up next. Your Locked On Raiders, your daily podcast on the Las Vegas Raiders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Here we go, Raider Nation. Segment number three of today's Locked On Raiders podcast. Calls and texts straight off that Locked On Raider podcast. Voicemail line 707-654-4693. I don't have a lot of time for explanations or breakdowns, but I mean, I want to be able to respond to as many as possible. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump into as many calls and texts as possible. Don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, I'm going to try to do the best I can. So I'm going to start off with actually the the last call that I received, but uh, this one, DJ from the 909, he's very, very fired up uh, and he has a bone that he wants to pick with me about Tuesday's show. So I want to make sure this one gets on there because I don't want to make him think that I'm trying to run from any kind of, uh, you know, any kind of feedback that may not be 100% positive. So here's DJ from the 909, pretty fired up, got a bone to pick with me, and he's talking about Tuesday's show. Here he is. Greater Nation Q, DJ from the 909 calling in. Q, I got a gripe to pick with you right now. Listening to this, too, or just finished listening to this Tuesday podcast, and you talk about how these players that the Raiders have let go don't make enough wow plays. Since John Gruden has been there, we had two guys that can make wow plays, and what did they do? They let them go, traded them, straight out, outright for who? Only one person that you can say, or one player you can say that has actually done some wow plays has been Josh Jacobs. Outside of that, there hasn't been nothing, Q, nothing. So they sent off Khalil Mack off Amari Cooper. Mo Hurst, whether you want to believe it or not, okay, the wow plays might not be there, but if he's at least generating some pressure on the inside, which the Raiders have not been able to do in I don't know how long, that's not worthy of a cut. You're banking on who? David Irving? Tell me what David has Irving had done for me lately. The guy's been out the league because he wants to smoke weed. What has Solomon Thomas done for me lately? He hasn't done nothing. What has what's the other dude, Quentin Jefferson, done for me lately? What has Darius Phylon done for me lately? This That's what I don't understand. It's like Raiders let go of players instead of letting them battle in camp, and then you take the best player that has done something in camp. There was no reason to let go Mo Hurst. Arden Key, yeah, you let him go. We can bring up Carl Joseph, for example. You let Carl Joseph go for what? Eric Harris? Clearly, it didn't look good last year. Who, that, what is it, Devin Levitt or whatever his name is? What did he do? Talk to me again because he didn't do anything. So it's like you're better off keeping your own guys because what you thought you had 
as backups or whoever you thought was going to be the starters didn't do anything. I don't care what you tell me. At the end of the day, Carl Joseph's still going to be a better safety than Eric Harris and da- Davin Levitt or whatever the heck his name is. That's what we do know. So, yeah, okay, there might not be enough wild plays, but, yes, they need to improve. But, Q, you got to realize Trayvon Mullen hasn't been through nothing last year, really. He was mediocre. Where is the wild play from him? If that's the case, let's get rid of him and bring it in another corner. Why don't they trade up and get a J.C. Horn? That's just how I'm looking at it, Q. It's just kind of like, okay, they're bringing in all these players, but what what have they done for me lately is the, the question that we need to be asking because we're just banking on Gus Bradley doing absolutely everything. And if that doesn't cut out, what are we going to blame it on? we go blame it on the players or we go blame it on Gus Bradley halfway through the season? All right, Q, DJ from the 909, out. All right, well, first of all, DJ, appreciate the call. Love the passion, love the energy, and love the excitement. Um, I'm not even going to say that you're wrong about any of that. You know, Mack and Coop, they were the guys that supplied the wild plays. And the Raiders and John Gruden himself banked on the fact that they can be traded, bring in more draft capital, and get a lot better players or a lot more players that can make a bunch of wild plays. And like I've said a million times... They were wrong. Right now, like you said, and I've said a million times, Josh Jacobs is the only guy that we know, as a matter of fact, that has it. The rest of the players, there's a lot of questions about. I've said that a million times. I don't disagree with you at all on that. Now, I will say, Mo Hurst, I think that he's more of a fan favorite than he is a really, really good player. I think he has bursts where he's really good. He has moments that he's good. Yes, he provides a little bit of competition or a little bit of uh, pressure up the gut. Okay, I get that. But he doesn't have that many snaps. So you, I, I ask you this. Why is the reason why he's not playing that many snaps? Why did they not use him that much? Since he's so good. I just want to know, how come his snaps are limited? I'm asking you that not being a smartass. I'm being serious. Why did they only use him so much? Was that because they didn't know how to use him? Or was that because his conditioning didn't allow him to play multiple snaps? I mean, and, and I don't know the answer to that. I'm seriously asking that as a serious question. So don't get fired up about it. I'm just asking the question because I would like to know if he's so good, why wasn't he used more? I also would like to know if he's so good, why did he clear waivers? I also would like to know if he's so good, why did he clear waivers and still hasn't been signed now that he's clear waivers? I still want to know why we haven't even heard about him taking a visit to one team. There's a lot of questions. I get it. Fans fall in love with certain players. But remember, Mo Hurst was a fifth round draft pick. He's not like he was a first round guy that was supposed to be all world. Yes, he had good moments. I just don't think he put enough of them together. Again, that's just my opinion. Talking about the safeties, you said Carl Joseph. Why did he go away? Well, because he didn't play that well with the Raiders. I mean, seriously, I mean, that's that's why he did. He went away. He didn't play that well. And now that he's returning, he's not saving the day at the safety position. He's a guy that's going to be there for depth. I mean, really, think about this. In 2020, Carl Joseph played in 14 games for Cleveland. He had 66 total tackles. 45 of them were solo. Four passes defense to one interception. Eric Harris, and I'm not making a case for Eric Harris either, he played in 14 games for the Raiders, had 59 total tackles, 42 solo, five passes defense, and no interceptions. You know what that sounds like? It sounds like Carl Joseph. They both sound like they did just about the same thing. Neither one of them were worth the salt. They were okay, but they weren't great. There's a reason why Eric Harris is now in Atlanta and Carl Joseph, Cleveland let go and is back with the Raiders. I mean, I, I get it, man. I, I just think that the Raiders need players that can make a lot more plays, a lot more plays than what we're used to. We as a fan base, and I include myself in that, we see these guys and we're like, oh, that's a good player, that's a good player. Hold on to him, hold on to him, hold on to him. But if you compare them to the talent around the league, it's not on the same level. 
Yes, Mac and Coop, difference makers. But that's it. We can go through all the drafts. Trayvon Mullen, you mentioned him. You want to let him go? I, I don't think you should let him go, but I, have, I don't disagree with you saying if uh, uh, J.C. Horn or Patrick Sertain is available, go get him. Go get him because he would be an upgrade. I absolutely do believe that. I've said multiple times that Trayvon Mullen's got to step his game up. Damon Arnett's got to step his game up. Henry Ruggs has got to step his game up. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. We're basically fighting and not fighting because I'm not going to, I refuse to fight. Mohurst or, or, or Carl Joseph. And neither one of them, those guys are depth pieces at, at, at best. Neither one of those guys are difference makers, in my opinion. Again, it's just my opinion. But I do appreciate the call, and I love the passion. And, hey, feel free to call at any time. That's why I let you lead off, because I want you to know, just because you don't agree with me, that's okay. I'm fine with that. Next up, I got a text from Sean from Sacramento. He says, hey, Q, it's Sean from Sacramento. Was listening to your show about being humbled, and, man, I couldn't agree with you more. I've had about eight different jobs in my life, and I'm only 23. Sometimes I take a chance on myself and I get humbled really quick. Thankfully, God knows who I am and always has a plan for me. I'm now a chef in a really good situation. And I'm not going anywhere. Anyway, Q, hope you had a good day and go Raiders. Also, is there a Locked On UFC podcast? If not, you guys should look into making one. As always, God bless Q. That's from Sean in Sacramento, the 916. And I don't think that there's a UFC. I, I hate to hesitate and say that because there probably is. Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I know me and Lee talk about the UFC quite a bit on our Locked On Bet show, but that's just gambling line. And, and we'll talk about certain big fights here and there. But uh, I'll have to look into that, and I'll let you know. Uh, I'm not 100% sure if there's a UFC locked on or not. Uh, I, I will find out for you, I promise. Um, I think I got time maybe for one more call. And uh, let's go to Brother Marquise in the 305 at Miami one time. He's calling to talk about the draft and the fact that he has no clue what the Raiders are going to do at 17 or in the draft in general. Here he is, Brother Marquise in the 305, closing us out today. What up, Raider Nation? Brother Marquise. Give me your call because we're literally now about a week out away from the draft. Signing is the best time of the year. It's like Christmas. It's uh, pretty exciting. Um, just some thoughts that really popped in my head and really basing this off a lot of the conversation we've had over different draft picks and different options the Raiders can go. Um, I have, for the first time, have no idea what the Raiders can do. I mean, there's a group of like 12, 13 guys that I could see them taking. I, but I have no idea what they're going to do. Trade up, trade down. Stay the same. Draft this guy. Draft that guy. I have, I'm, I'm, I'm lost at a loss. But there's a couple things that, that I do think is going to happen. We've been bringing up, and you've seen a lot of mocks in the queue. You've even mentioned Christian Derisaw as a pick. I don't think Christian Derisaw can be the pick. I mean, Mike Mayock um, had a huge press conference, and one of the big takeaways from the press conference is uh, that we learned lessons from COVID, that it's hard to make to have people make positional changes in a COVID year. We're still in a COVID year. How can he go double down and do the same thing with offensive tackle, the next, the, going from left tackle to right tackle? And a lot of people may not think it's a, it's a big deal, but it is. I mean, um, I, think, I can't remember what offensive lineman said it. I think you said it before about the guy saying that it's like wiping your ass with the wrong, wrong hand. I mean, that's a big deal. You know, um, a lot of people we we discussed um, going after some of these cornerbacks, um, Sertan or or J C Horn or you know even Caleb Farley if you feel like his back is okay. Um, that's another issue. Okay, you you invested in David Ar Damon Arnett and you have Trayvon Mullen and you're going to play those guys. So which means that whoever you're bringing in, he's either going to, have to start off as a slot corner or you're going to slide Arnett or into the slot. In either case. It's a COVID year. He just made the perfect, made it perfectly clear that they do not 
want to make those kind of adjustments during these kinds of these type of uh, seasons. So that you know, that takes a lot of people off the board. A lot of people where you think, hey, we'll switch this guy here, or hey, we'll play that guy there. It takes it, it takes a lot of people off the board, and then. On top of that, you know, when you add in the injury histories of some of these guys like Caleb Paul and someone who I really, really am high on right now, Jalen Phillips, I think that guy is amazing. Um, I think if he was, if he didn't have concussion history, he would be a top 10 pick in most drafts. But in either case, you're going to have, you have even less information than ever. No combine, still no visits. So it's going to be a really interesting thing what's going on with this draft. And I'm just curious to find out how it plays out because I, have no idea which direction we're going. There he is. That's Brother Marquise in the 305 Rep Miami one time. And, I mean, you bring up a lot of good points, you know, stuff that we've talked about on the podcast before. Christian Derisaw is a left tackle at Virginia Tech. Moving him to the right tackle spot, that could be an issue. That could be a reason why a guy like Tevin Jenkins out of Oklahoma State, he might be a better fit because he's a natural right tackle. Uh, as far as Damon Arnett moving to the slot, he did that at Ohio State, so there's a possibility he could do that. But, you know, I, I get it. I get what you're saying, man. I mean, and, and we don't know. And this is something that I talked about on Tuesday's show. We talk about all these players that could be a possibility for the Raiders at 17 or 48 or 79 or 80. And then when push comes to shove, we really don't know because we don't know what they're looking at and what they're thinking. You could have gave me 20 picks last year. I would have never picked Damon Arnett at number 19. I, I, I knew it was going to be a corner or I felt pretty good about it was going to be a corner. I just didn't have Damon Arnett on my radar. I, I know a lot of people didn't. Uh, I know some people didn't have Henry Ruggs on their radar. I had C.D. Lamb on my radar at number 12 last year. Not not Damon or, or not uh, Henry Ruggs, but that's just how it shakes out. So a lot of times we can know the position, just get the, the, the wrong guys there. So I went with Darisaw. I also went with Michael Parsons in another uh, mock draft that I went with, but uh, that's, just, that's just what I'm thinking right now. But I, I totally get what you're saying, and and I know what Mike Mayock said about, uh, you know, changing positions in a COVID year. So we'll see what they do. You know, it should be interesting. That's definitely something to think about uh, moving forward. So thank you so much for that call. And I'm sorry that that's all I got time for on today's show. Ran long in segment number one. And, of course, segment number two, I got a call from or a text from Sean Mann from the Quad Cities, NorCal Raider in the 530, Chuck in Austin, Texas, a text from LBC Raider, um, Jazzy Jeff from the Bay got all those on the way on tomorrow's show. So I appreciate you, Raider Nation. Stay safe out there. Take care of your loved ones. If you got an opportunity to get that vaccine, go ahead and make it happen. Your boys got one so far. I got to get that second shot. I'll probably get that at the uh, very beginning of May. May 7th is my day, so I'll get that second one on May 7th. Either way you look at it, man, handle your business, take care of your family. And as always, Raider Nation, just win, baby.